and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for September. That joke's wearing thin already, but I don't care because we used to do the days of the week, but we're not doing the days of the week anymore. You know, I don't know. For the love of many things, and in some ways for the love of board games, because um, there is a certain someone who is creating waves across the hobby with a book that is currently on Kickstarter, which is called For the Love of Board Games, and it's a book for board gamers, so joining me is um, is Erin Dean, who is responsible for putting this tome together of knowledge. Hello to you, Erin. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. That's okay. That's okay. And shall I say, it's like... Um, you're like the fully, fully funded, fully armed and operational kind of board game book, aren't you? It's um, it's going phenomenally well. Yeah, it's over four times funded. Um, we have about, uh, as we're recording this, we have less than nine days left. And um, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, it's totally, you know, exceeded my expectations. And I'm very excited for the public to read this book. It's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, we should say hello to everybody who maybe hasn't listened to us before. Um, the reason that we do this is for you guys listening to the show just now. Um, it's been about us for 200 episodes. It's time to switch and turn the table. So it's your turn now. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. And the second reason that we do this is because we like to get people like Erin on the show to their creating stuff which people are wanting to get their hands on so we want to find out a little bit more a little bit more about Erin and a bit more about the book itself um do you want to start off things by kind of maybe explaining kind of how you first got involved in this kind of world of tabletop to begin with yeah, so I've I played a lot of tabletop games growing up. Um, I played a lot of Clue and Sorry, and uh, you know I got into Catan, and um, I was gifted Ticket to Ride, mm-hmm. um, designed by designed by Alan Moon mm-hmm. in uh, high school, and I was really just I was very surprised with how much I loved the gameplay and how no one was flipping over the table and. <laughs> It was it was just great and um, very streamlined, and um, I fell in love with the hobby at that point, and I discovered Board Game Geek and what that had to offer, and I discovered different games, and now I believe I have close to 150 board games in my collection. Um, I host a board game night twice a week, um, and yeah, it's been great. I, I, I can't get enough. In terms of... Um your collection are you because board gamers seem to be following into two camps you get the collector who has their copy of say root they have their copy of catacombs they have their copy of gloomhaven they have their you know but they don't get around to always playing it they just look really pretty on the shelf and then you've got the guys that kind of like they'll get through or they'll try to get through every single game that you have. Are you in the situation that you've kind of played most of the games that you have or do you have a little kind of shelf of shame kind of going on? Oh, 
I have a little shelf of shame, but the majority of the games, I always try to get to the table. Um, and yeah, I'd say I've played over 85% of my games that I own, and the rest are on my list to play. That's pretty good going. Do you, I mean, do you pick up, um, are you constantly kind of picking up games? Are you kind of like the chasing after the new and shiny or? Are you gay? Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so Miniature Market, which is a big American um, board game distributor, mm-hmm. um, it's actually it actually has the largest board game warehouse in the US. It's um it's in Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri in America. Yeah. And um I I'm located uh in the same city as them, so they have a big superstore, uh, miniature market that I, I host two game nights a week and um, I'm always refreshing their their new board games and seeing kind of the new and shiny that's out. And um, do they have like a yeah. big? Do they have like a vault like Scrooge McDuck had in Ducktales? And you just open the door and they've got like board games, kind of in they big piles, do. and you they can do. just dive in and start swimming there, a bit. There is a vault. There is a vault. There is. A, it's actually called the Geekway Library. So, oh, right. Geekway to the West. Geekway to the West is a board game convention here in St. Louis, the same city as Miniature Market. Yeah. And they have this huge room full of board games that you can literally dive into, and uh, play. And um, yeah, it's 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 like a five dollar entry fee, and you really? can play as many games as you want for as long as you want. So it's kind of a vault of sorts. It's a cool door that opens up. And how do you yeah. des- how do you decide though? I mean, I, I I wouldn't know. It casts me back to the time where I went and visited my grandparents, and my grandparent, my grandfather said to me, "Now we're going to go to the store, and you can have one Star Wars figure." And it was probably the longest forty five minutes of his life as I stood there kind of weighing up all the different figures and looking at them before I decided what I was going to kind of play. Are you quite, do you go in with like a fixed, when you go into a place like that, you got a very kind of fixed view, right, I'm definitely playing that and I'm get, grabbing that, or do you spend kind of time pondering what you're going to be playing? I definitely, when I'm purchasing a game, I, I'll be there for like an hour just looking at all the options I have and... Um, so yeah, that, that definitely takes a while, but as far as playing a game, mm-hmm. um, I'm usually just pick one and play it and then quickly get to another one. And I try to play like three or four games a night mm-hmm. at, at the, at the game night. So I get in about like eight or 10 games a week. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And, um, I mean, what's kind of, I guess, kind of like making you smile at the moment in terms of cardboard, what's kind of you know, what you've been getting to the table quite recently? Um, I would say one of my favorite games that I've recently got to the table is War Chest. All right. Um, it's a game by AEG. Um, and it's basically an abstract game. It's like a one versus one, uh, almost like an Onitama type game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it uses different, like, you know, weapons, not weapons, but like different army recruits and stuff. And it's very strategic, but very easy to learn. And I, I love those types of games. So War Chest is my most recent purchase and play. Okay. Okay. And so what kind of genre would you normally go for? Are you kind of like a strategic kind of wargamey type person? 
Actually, no, that's not usually really? my cup of tea, but um, usually I'm a big fan of kind of heart pounding real time games where you're put on the clock and you you have 10 minutes to escape a zombie horde or you uh-huh. have, you know, five minutes to save the patient and paramedics clear. And um, I love that kind of like time pressure games. I love it. All right. So what kind of what's your kind of your favorite out of that kind of genre? Um, I. Captain Sonar, okay. Escape the Curse of the Temple, um, Paramedics Clear, and then I also really enjoy Meeple Circus. Um, that's also a timed game. So there's a lot of them that I love, and I I probably own like 10 real-time games. Jungle Speed is another one. Mm. Um, but yeah, Captain Sonar is probably my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, have you actually managed to play it with a full kind of complement of crew so that everybody's kind of around the kind of around the board doing all their tasks yep i i that's the best way to play it and um when i got when i got the game yeah i was actually on a college campus i was in school so it was really easy to gather up that many people and play and we'd like dim the lights and turn on submarine music make it very atmospheric and we really really got into it it was really cool did you have somebody in the corner going boo boo we had a we had a soundtrack doing that, but yeah, not a person, but like we had a soundtrack doing that same exact noise, so it felt like we were on a submarine. It was awesome. Did you make sure that everybody could only talk in kind of like sailor kind of naval language yep. as well? I bet you exactly. But you were strict in that as well. Yeah, it was so it was so great, but yeah, we we really got into it. Yeah, cool. So I mean. Do you, do you kind do you kind of like to like kind of pr- try kind of different genres, different styles of games? I mean, you're quite open in kind of like your game tastes. I mean, you mentioned obviously the real time ones and having, you know, sounds like a a, a kind of a, a a delightful sized collection of the real time games. But have you kind of kept yourself kind of open to kind of trying new and different things? I guess with kind of like spending doing the doing the kind of the game nights. Oh, yeah. I mean, I play all different types of games, and I'm open to many different mechanics and themes. I'll I'll, I'll play anything. Um, it's just a matter of, is it the right game for me to purchase? That's another story, but I'll play anything. I love being introduced to different mechanics and different themes, for sure. But is it does something really have to kind of grab you in order for you to be handing over the, the kind of the cash money to kind of add it um, to your collection? I'm a really big theme person. All right. I, you know, theme is theme is more important to me than mechanics. Um, so if the theme is up my alley, like I like medical games and I like real life scenario games, like you know, like Captain Sonar, yeah. where it's like a per, you know a profession. When it gets into like fantasy themes and very out there themes, that's not my that's not what I lean towards. Yeah. No, I can I can completely. I can completely understand that because it's like um, I don't know one game that I've kind of instantly kind of fallen in love with is is kind of Root because of mm-hmm. the theme itself, but not because the genre, but what they've done with the theme in order to make the genre more appealing to me. Because I would have never touched right. a war game before. If somebody says I was going to be playing a war game and absolutely kind of loving it with all the normal mechanics you would find in a war game, I tell them to go and sit in the corner and not speak to me for a while. <laughs> but um, yeah. Root seems to kind of um, 
can I can I grab me? I mean, um, in terms of the, you know, you you kind of get in your collection. I mean, have you kind of been involved in the kind of the media side? I mean, have you always been somebody that's kind of done the kind of the writing side of things? Have you always, have you been the person that's done the kind of the little kind of creative projects and stuff like that? Have you always been like a kind of creative person, kind of grown up? Definitely, definitely. I, I've always had a creative spark in me from a very young age. And, um, you know, I, I made my first video when I was, I think, five years old. It was called Super Guy and it had puppets and different superheroes. And, um, it was very cool. And my dad was the filmmaker and I was the, the actor and actress of all the puppets. Did you have a, um, did you have a bad guy? Oh, we had a bad guy. Yeah, I forget his name, oh. but it was like it was. Oh God, I need to look that up. It was a snake. One of the snakes was a bad guy, and then there was like this robber guy, right. too. Uh, but but I definitely I I definitely have always had a creative side. I went to school for video production. All right. Um, I'm not necessarily you know writing is not my first you know natural thing to do, but mm-hmm. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to challenge myself and um when the idea came to me to do a book, I was like, I want to take on this challenge. I want to do something that I don't normally do, uh, but it still allows me to interview people, which I really love interviewing people, whether that's through a podcast or a video. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the book is just a compilation of interviews with these awesome, prolific designers, board game designers. So it's still up my alley. It's just a different media medium. Was it, I mean, you said that was a conscious decision to try and push yourself. I mean, um, have you thought about kind of going back and kind of doing the kind of the video stuff in order to complement the, the kind of the book going, kind of going forward? Yeah, definitely. I um I actually have a project in the works where I'm going to be traveling across the country okay. interviewing interviewing designers. Um so this is the first time I've announced this and I'll let it be here on your podcast. All right. But um I'm doing I'm doing a documentary series called Behind the Board Games where I'll be going around and interviewing different designers in their studios and in their workplace and uh really getting into the minds of these designers and their processes and how they work and their where they get their creative spark from, but it'll be in video form. So it's kind of like the video form of my book. Because you don't get that. I mean, I've seen, um, I hear about lots of people's, th- I mean, obviously I've spoken to a couple of people. I think somebody shamed me and says it's over 150 now. And I said, no, it's not. And they went, yes. And I went, okay. But, um, I always hear about their inspiration from from their point of view and I think it'd be really interesting to see to actually be in the environment where they kinda of do yeah. the day to day kind of creativity. I think that would be a pretty right pretty interesting thing to do as well. So is that when is that starting? Is that gonna be starting beginning of next year or are you gonna see what's happening with the kind of the, the book itself? Uh yeah, um I we're playing the the date by ear, you know, mm-hmm. the actual Kickstarter launch, but I'm I'm going down at the end of this month, the end of September to film the first interview. Wow. So that way people can get a taste of kind of what 
the the documentary series will look like and you know it's always good to have an example on your page rather than you know a concept so yeah uh, i'm going to be doing that is that kind of exciting that this is kind of turning into into something that's potentially kind of going down the full-time kind of job type thing i mean is that is that kind of where the where the plan is because i mean obviously the book is done very very well and now you're kind of moving into the kind of the video. Is that what you would like to be doing? Is the the kind of doing the kind of the the interview, the video type thing? Kind of. Well, yeah, I definitely want to keep on doing this for sure. I have a day job right now mm-hmm. in the video production field, um, but actually, I just announced my biggest project to date um, on Facebook the other day. I am starting. I'm founding the National Board Game Museum in um st louis missouri in america so it'll be it'll be the nation's first museum totally dedicated to board games so that's my (laughs) that's my big project and that's what i want to be my full-time day job when it when it when it's when it's created but yeah we've already formed our board of directors we've filed for incorporation we've we're about to kickstart our fundraising and yeah it's very exciting so a lot of things up my sleeve and then so what you got planned for sunday then i mean obviously (laughs) obviously we're doing a fully funded book we're doing a video interview series we're starting a board game museum i mean (laughs) i I know it's like where do i i don't have any free time at all i don't have any free time this is what i do in my free time this is what you're doing now it's like what you what it's like what's erin doing next what could she potentially I'm just I know but um, I mean going back to the let's talk about the book because um, you said it was out of your comfort zone but I mean what kind of made you decide right okay let's do let's do the book of interviews well I I've always enjoyed interviewing people I've always you know, I've done legacy films where I've interviewed um, grandparents um, or mm. older older people where I interview them about their life story. Um, and I've done that for several family members and even outside family. So I've always enjoyed interviewing people. Um, I've done it for so many different corporation, corporate videos and marketing videos and but I wanted to do it in book form, um, and I wanted to do it on my favorite topic ever, which is board games, and I wanted to do it with designers, because those are the people that are actually the creative spark behind the games, mm-hmm. you know, how they're created. And I'm I'm a very curious person, so I wanted to learn more about the games myself. So how I decided which designers I was going to interview was I simply looked at my collection and I said, okay, I want to interview the designer of this game, this game, this game, all the games on my shelf. And that's how I did it. I mean, have you found the community to be kind of open and friendly towards you? Did you get a lot of kind of, did you have to do a lot of chasing? I mean, personally, when I've, I mean, I've had kind of Jamie Stegmeyer's been on, John Gilmore's been on. Um, I've never, ever found... I've really had to chase people. They've all been really kind of open. They've all been kind of really, really kind of friendly. And I don't know if this is testament to the to the kind of the hobby as a whole. I don't know about you. I but think it is. I, I think it is. I, I really do. I think um, all the interviews that I did, which were over 50 
53 interviews um mm-hmm. all the pe- all the designers i talked to were so friendly and very very willing to talk to me and answer all my questions so yeah i think i think it is a industry thing i don't think it's just one or two designers i think everyone in this board game community is very friendly and my i encourage people to reach out to their favorite designers thank them for their designs ask them some questions that you've always wanted to ask you know they're more than likely to respond as you know if you if you reach out yeah no i mean i think um it's kind of strange because i'm looking at like the collection of blu-rays that are on my shelf and i wouldn't dream you know of of trying to contact even half these people because there would be so many kind of there'd be so many barriers there'd be so many bits of red tape there would be so many kind of um it would almost be like an interview process beforehand i don't know if you found that um i mean when i've spoken to people in in the past a lot i can say there's never been the occasion where people have said, right, I want a list of all the questions that you're going to be asking me on the podcast, otherwise I'm not going to be coming on. Right. I can't say I can't say the same for the film industry. I think there'd be protection by kind of PR and I think it's hats off to the kind of the accessibility that you get within the the kind of the board game industry. You know, um it's it's kinda of pretty pretty kind of cool. I mean was there anyone's I mean, did you get to I mean, how did you go through the kind of the process? Did you just send the questions to the designers and then they came back to you? Or did you kind of speak to them over the phone and then kind of transcribe kind of what they, their answers that they came back to you with? That's a good question. Um, I'd say about half the interviews were done just via email. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd send them the questions. They'd send answers back. I, I may have a couple follow-up questions and then the other half was done through skype or phone call Mm -hmm. um so it was about half and half um both methods were used Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did you find it um did it take up an awful lot of time to kind of do the organization i mean obviously with designers and designers being being busy people did you have to were you having to kind of plan months in advance to kind of get a chance to speak to a lot of them or were you quite lucky that kind of things kind of slotted in quite conveniently for you? Most of the designers, uh, because when I started interviewing them, it was was like in February or March, so it wasn't the busy convention season. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them had a lot of time to talk, which was great that I ended up doing the project at that time or starting it. Um, and you know, some of the designers, we had to plan a couple weeks or three weeks in advance, but that wasn't the norm. Most of them were very, you know, like, let's talk next week or this week. You know, it was very, uh-huh. it was, I was very lucky in that regard. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did, I mean, did you find there was a cascading effect that by speaking to certain designers that opened your door to get access to other ones as well because of the, again, the nature of the the community yeah there were a few instances where some designer said oh you need to talk to so and so as well um Mm -hmm. you know and that that opened more doors and opportunities for me to interview more designers for sure okay okay was there a particular kind of favorite when you were doing the interviewing process um like story yeah i mean was it i mean was it a favorite kind of like 
yeah, when you were doing going through the process was a designer, you just like went, this was fantastic. This was amazing. I could just chat to this person forever. Yeah, I had one of those experiences. I, I really enjoyed talking with Evan Derrick from uh-huh. Van Ryder Games. Okay. Um, He had this really cool story for this game he designed called Detective City of Angels. Mm-hmm. It was on Kickstarter earlier this year. Yeah. And um, he talked about how one of the inspirations for the game was that his his wife's bag got stolen. Their car got broken into, and they got it, it got stolen with all her art sketches because she's an artist, and it was really it was sad because she lost all her stuff in that bag. Mm-hmm. So Evan, being the heroic husband, <laughs> he kind of got in the mind of the robber, and he's like, "Okay, where would I go? I wouldn't go that way because there's lights. I would probably go down this dark alley." And so he kind of got into the mind of the robber and kind of had that mindset mindset and he actually found the bag ditched in a dumpster (laughs) down like this alley so he like i want to create a game that you know you feel like a detective and you get in the mind of the the bad guys and that's that was his inspiration for the game was that his because of his wife's bag getting stolen which i thought was whoa that's awesome that that inspired that you know yeah yeah was there um was there designers that you thought you had on your wish list that you thought i'm I'm never ever going to get these people in a like in a month of Sundays here, but you know you ended up you you kind of you would consider them kind of like on the on the kind of the, your personal wish wish list that you really really wanted to speak to, not just for the book production, but actually for yourself. Yeah, so I I really there's one that I didn't get that I really wanted to talk to, so I'll mention that, and then there was one that I really mm-hmm. wanted to also interview, and I got that one. So I really wanted to interview Alan Moon, the designer of Ticket to Ride, because it was the first game that got me into the hobby, but he was just so busy and I couldn't get a hold of him. So I didn't end up doing that interview, but I hope I can in the future interview him. Um, And then I also got to talk with Reiner Kaninzia. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's the designer of Tigris and Euphrates. Yeah. uh, uh, A lot of different games. And I was able to interview him, and we actually talked via Skype, and he had his cute little bow tie on, and I was like, whoa, he's here, and I'm talking to him, and this is unreal, you know, this is unreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've but been, he was very cool. I've been there. I've been there. I mean, normally what I, what happens is if I'm speaking to somebody like, you know, I'm like, don't say something stupid. Don't say anything I know, stupid. Right? Don't say anything stupid. And then, I can totally relate. And then I say, then I obviously I say something stupid, as um you know I remember <laughs> like uh, <laughs> talking to um Edo Barra pencil first games and then asking him halfway through he's got really long hair maybe I should ask him about his hair care kind of routine oh, which turned into hilarious. like fifteen minutes of kind of like hair care hair care with Edo which um kind of was one of my <laughs> my favorite my favorite kind of bits. Um, that's awesome. It's just, I just talk nonsense until somebody tells me to stop talking nonsense and then I just <laughs> keep talking nonsense, kind of, kind of regardless. Um, with, I mean, when you decided, Ricky, the book is going to be kind of coming out and that's as a, as a kind of a project. Um, have you been, have you been surprised by the kind of the reception? I mean, was it, or were you kind of in the background going, well, I mean, what, 
what could possibly go wrong here? I've just lined up 53 interviews with some of the most kind of influential <laughs> games designers. Let's put the book out there and, and kind of see what happens. Were you kind of quietly confident that it was it was going to kind of fund? I think so. I was, I was definitely... I knew it would go over well just because of the amount of interviews I did and with the mm-hmm. big names that I got. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize it was going to go this well. So it definitely exceeded my expectations. But I also knew that this was a project that the industry needed and it was something different and fresh. Um, and I think a lot of you know people are kind of sticking to the norm and they're not really thinking outside the box enough. Mm-hmm. So with with this book idea and the documentary series that I'm going to do and this museum that I'm going to open, <laughs> I'm really trying to think outside the box. What is something I can do that no one else is doing? And that's how I approach all my ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is it kind of strange for you to be crossing over the line to be kind of well-known in the board game field now? Because, I mean, this is going to put you... I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm a member of quite a few Facebook groups. And for the last week, what I thought about is if I see another post about Aaron Dean, I'm going to lose control here because it's every... (laughs) every, But no, I mean, in all seriousness, is is it kind of strange being on the other side that you're actually now being kind of well known for kind of the book side of things that you yourself are going to potentially like, well, I mean, this is why we're talking. I mean, you're, you're somebody that I thought, you know, when Vaughn says, oh, do you want to have a chat? And we, you know, obviously I think when we originally, we had originally tried to schedule something a little while ago and it's just like clashes of schedules and jobs and things like that kind of got in the way at the time. But you're now on the other side of the line almost that people are going to be interested in you as to, what you're kind of bringing to the table as an actual content creator. Is that, is that been a bit of a strange kind of experience? Yeah, I, I don't think it's fully s- sunk in yet, you know. Mm-hmm. I, th- I still think, you know, I- I'm a board gamer like everyone else, and that's why I create this type of content, because I do love the hobby so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, I'm just trying to share that with everyone, and... Um, yeah, it's great being on podcasts like this and different blogs and different media outlets just just to spread the word about these kind of new projects that I've been working on and yeah, it's it's been great. It's been it's been fun and I it is kind of surreal just with all everything that I've accomplished this year and the connections I've made and the designers I've talked to. It's I definitely would not have pictured this a year ago. It's just amazing all these fun opportunities I've had. Is there a volume two in the works? I mean, you've done volume one. Is it now a case of, well, I know I'm going to do the video, but there's going to be another. I mean, it must be, you must have another pile of other people that are still on that list that you never managed to to catch. You'll probably end up getting a forward with Alan Moon. (laughs) I know, right? That would be awesome. Alan, if you're out there... (laughs) <laughs> I know, Alan. If you're listening, please give me a call. If yeah, <laughs> if Alan was listening, Alan doesn't. I, yeah. well, I I hope Alan does listen to this. Um, it'd be nice to think he's out there having a little chuckle to himself, going, "I'm never going to listen to this podcast." I don't know what he's thinking right. to himself. 
Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely already have a list for volume two. I haven't started the interviews for it. I have not touched that project yet, but it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Are there any names that you're like, I definitely want to get this person on at all? I think um, Alan Moon and <laughs> oh, yeah. Alan Moon. <laughs> no, um, I definitely Alan Moon, and then uh, the designer of Catan would be very cool. He's he's based in Germany, and then, yeah. but he doesn't. He when I reached out to him for Volume One, he was very busy, um, and his assistant or the event coordinator—I don't know what their title was—but he was booked up, so I couldn't interview him. But hopefully. Maybe I will next year be able to interview him. Um, what other people? I mean, there's a lot. There's a whole list. I just I'm just drawing a blank, but Alan Moon for sure. Alan, <laughs> did you get did you get a sensible word out of Isaac Childress? Because I had him, I had him on the show, and I swear I had to put him on the naughty step because he just wouldn't behave. Was he? I mean, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> He's just, yeah, I interviewed him. I interviewed him for volume one and yeah. he was super nice. And yeah, yeah, he, uh, we talked about Gloomhaven and, yeah. he, and his inspiration for that. And it was really fun. No, he was just full of nonsense when he was on the podcast. It was unbelievable. Oh, really? I thought, yeah, I was going to have to take away his sweets. He'd had too much candy that day. I'm sure of it. I'm only joking. Isaac, if you're listening and he doesn't listen anymore because he told me. Um, oh, wow. But, <laughs> It's fine. Ouch. No, it's fine. No, he's only joking. He's fine. He's a good. He's a good lad, and we have a lot of we have a lot of time for him. Absolutely. Um, the video series. Are you going to be in car video of you driving to different places, and are you considering doing some kind of carpool karaoke with board game designers? Because if you oh have, my gosh. if you, if you haven't. You have to do that. And also, I'm wondering what songs you would sing. Oh just my like, gosh, yeah. That would be awesome to do carpool karaoke carpool with like, ca- with, you know, Reiner and Jamie uh, Stegmeier and oh my gosh, it would be I wonder awesome. what, what would, what would Jamie Stegmeier sing in carpool? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. That may be like a, a Rolling Stones song or... I have I no know. idea. I I'm would, just throw. I'm just throwing a dart out there. I have no idea. I just, I just think I've thrown an idea out there, and if you know, I think it's a definite goer. I think carpool. I think yeah. I think road trip board game carpool karaoke has to happen with at least somebody. Um, Eric Lang, I think. Um, oh my gosh! Get them on John. Yeah, that I think awesome. John Gilmore's probably got an absolutely fantastic baritone voice. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I can just imagine that. Um, again, I didn't be interested to, to hear probably Isaac Childress sing about heavy metal. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the type of, <laughs> he's going to be the type I of know, guy he's going to sing. I know. He's going to sing Chicago. That'd be awesome. Or something. He's going to sing Chicago. <laughs> he's yeah. going to sing something. You know, I don't know. We could go yeah. down the list. You know, what, <laughs> what does Evan Derrick sing? You know, um, mm. I think Alan Moon would probably sing Dancing in the Moonlight. Probably. probably. I think um, Ev- <laughs> Evan Derrick's going to sing something by the police. 
yeah, like run, Joey, run or something. Or every yeah. breath you take, I'll be watching you because that's how yeah. he got his wife's yeah. bag back. So that makes a good thing. But this now has to happen. And <laughs> I know. I mean, like you're giving me all these ideas now. It's going to be like a huge phenomenon of, you know, carpool karaoke with designers. It's going to be great. There you go. Um, but then you're obviously going to have to um, settle down. You're going to have to get the, the duster out and make sure you're, you know, obviously keeping these board games nice in the museum. Um, so, I mean, that must be exciting. I mean, what did you do? Did you, just throw, did you just throw it around and say, right, okay, well, I've done this, I've done that, and now to do a museum. I mean, did that, did that come, did that come about between a discussion? Um, with kind of with other people was there a lot of other people kind of involved in that or was that just like okay we can do this let's let's we ha- somebody has to do it kind of thing yeah it was um i was kind of thinking about you know more ideas for the board game industry and i was thinking mm-hmm. there's not really a huge oh. networking professional networking group for like marketers board game marketers or reviewers and i was like well, that's something. And then I was like, well, there's also not a museum that I know of that focuses on board games in the United States. And sure enough, there wasn't anything that solely focused on board games. And I was like, I have to do this. Sometimes I'll sit with an idea for a couple of days and I'll be like, oh, that's something I can let go. I don't know if that's <laughs> worth pursuing. Yeah. But this one, it was like, I just had the feeling in my stomach that I had to do this. I had to get it done and I had to, you know, make it a reality. And I, I, I'm, I'm taking those steps to do that. So is the idea to kind of catalogue and basically have a copy of every board game that's been made? Or is the idea to be kind of have a selected, curated kind of collection? Definitely selected, curated collection. Um, my goal is to introduce more people to the hobby with the museum. And then I want it to be super interactive. I don't want this to be your typical classic museum where you walk in, there's board games and cl- glass boxes, and you read a little blurb about it. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's going to be about. It's going to be about you actually touching and engaging with the game. And there's oversized battleship and the biggest Jenga you've ever seen and a dice tower slide and all this cool stuff that's going to really engage with the visitors. And so you're going through kind of like the fundraising side of things that's all been sorted out the board of directors has kind of been sorted out um i mean it sounds like 2019 is gonna be fairly busy (laughs) for you yeah it is it is it and i don't think this museum is going to open for several more years it's going to take a long time to build Mm -hmm. the exhibits to hire the staff to get the fundraising it's not going to be an overnight thing for sure do you kind of keep thinking, I'm going to wake up any time second, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to realise it's, I'm in that 17 minutes past six in the morning and my alarm has just gone off and no more. And this is, some of it has happened or I'm just about to drop my first email for the book or has it been a bit of a whirlwind for you? I'd say so, yeah. I mean... I'm the type of person where if I have an idea, I'm going to get it done. I'm not a procrastinator by any means. I mm-hmm. I I love accomplishing things and finishing projects and 
And it's so easy for me to do projects like this because I'm so passionate about this industry and this mm-hmm. hobby and board games in general. I just love it so much that it's so interesting to me to pursue projects like this. Excellent. Excellent. There is, as you said, there's about nine days left on the campaign um, for the love of board games. If people are on the fence, if they've been looking at the campaign and having to think about it, what I mean, what should they expect when they kind of, if they're having a good old look through the book, what can they expect when they kind of look through the book itself? Well, not only is there going to be over 53 interviews, there's going to be, you know, 10 or so portraits of designers as characters in their own games. Yeah. Uh, Some very cool artwork in the book. Um, We're going to be... Uh, showcasing our new hardcover pledge level that'll be announced very soon. Um, and it has com- a Kickstarter exclusive artwork cover um, that is very cool. It was designed by the artist who designed, uh, who did the artwork for uh, Dice Throne. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Manny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did the artwork for the hardcover Kickstarter exclusive. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, when you're looking through the book, you're going to see artwork, you're going to see interviews, you're going to see fun facts about games that you have never heard of. You're going to see, you know, game, it's going to talk about games that designers created but never published. So kind of their secret designs that never was released to the public. And you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to start learning about these people, these designers as real people, real persons that, have feelings, emotions, ambitions, and they're not just the game that they created. They're really interesting people that just happen to design board games for a living. And the price of admission is like, what, 25 bucks? Yes, yep. And the, the hardcover is only going to be an additional $5. So um, people can upgrade to that pledge level if they've already backed the paper cap, paperback version of the book so you can always switch pledge levels sounds like um sounds like a steal sounds yeah. like a, yeah sounds like a bargain actually to be perfectly honest and us scottish people we love a bargain yes i'm living up to the stereotype yes you're gonna have to deal with it um but <laughs> um if people have listened along tonight obviously what we'll do is we'll make sure we get the link for the kickstarter and we'll put it in the show notes so we've got notes to show. But if people are interested in following your progress over the next months, years, whenever, how do we find you on the internet, interweb nets? You can follow me on Facebook um, by my name, Erin Dean, E-R-I-N-D-E-A-N. Mm-hmm. I'm all, I have a Twitter, but I'm not very active on it. It's mm-hmm. Dean Machine 100. Um, don't ask me how I got that username. Um and then I, I, I have also, to ask you. <laughs> and then I also, and then I also got. I also have an Instagram that I'm very active on. Yeah. Uh, Love of board games uh, is the Instagram handle. So definitely um, check those out, and um, we'll be in good shape. Excellent, excellent. So as I say, we'll we'll get all of those links, and we'll put them in the show notes so that we have notes to. Sure. Um, it sounds like if you anyone are, if uh, anyone is interested in learning more about the museum in particular, you can yeah. go to board game board game museum dot org. 
There we go. And again, we'll make sure that's that's highlighted at the top in yellow, potentially, maybe, but we'll definitely make sure it's there. <laughs> um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then um, you can follow us on Twitter, We're Not Wizards, Facebook's We're Not Wizards, Instagram is We're Not Wizards. Um, you can follow us on Tumblr, and we're on Spotify, and we're on our website, which is we'renotwizards.com, and you can read some of the words that I write and other people write on we'renotwizards.blogspot.com as well. You can find us on YouTube. You can chuck us a buck on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash we'renotwizards. You can find us through the local kind of podcast catchers, so your Stitchers, your Speakers, your Acast, your Player FMs, we're on Google Podcasts now, we're on, as I say, Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts too. If you like what you've heard tonight, um, jump onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription or a rating. And as we say, if you are going to give us a rating or even a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed and... I'm pretty big-headed as it is. But don't give us one star because um, it'll make us cry. And I'm a pretty <laughs> ugly crier, um, I've been told. Um, give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And we <laughs> are a little bit average. But the person who's not been average is rather wonderful, the rather fantastic. The person who seems to be going everywhere is Erin Dean so thank you very very much for coming on Erin thank you so much for having me this has been this has been great and I really appreciate your time that's okay I have one more question for you though okay okay the zombie horde has struck and uh, the museum is built and you decide in order to get away from the zombie horde that you're going to escape into the museum because the doors are sturdy and uh, there's a cafe that's well stocked. That's all cafes should be. However, um, in order to make your way onwards, you decide that you're going to take three board games with you in one of the museum's very movable and fast-moving trolleys. The museum has managed to amass a beautiful collection of games. as first editions, second editions, expansions... As far as the eye can see, what three board games do you take with you? And it'd be safe in two things in the knowledge that, uh, first of all, um, the trolley will go wherever you need it to go. And secondly, the answer to the question, to anyone you meet, would you like to play a board game, is always going to be yes, whether it be a single person on their own or a community. What three games do you take with you? That's a very, very good question. I would take like the first edition of some of those classics because they're probably they're probably very rare and they're mm. very they're very uh you know valuable. So I'd probably take like the first edition, the earliest edition of Monopoly, mm-hmm. um, like probably the first edition of Clue, okay. and then maybe an edition of Hero Quest. <laughs> um, that would be my three. Okay, that's fantastic. You put them into the trolley. Mm-hmm. You stroll out 
out of the museum and on to yeah. further adventures. Um, that is correct. Thank you again for coming on. Um, as I say, uh, best of luck with the rest of the campaign. I'm sure that it's going to add on quite a few backers before it finishes and we will make sure this is live as quickly as possible. If you're listening to it just now, you shall be able to go into the Kickstarter and still back the book. Um, there's only two more things left to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Erin? We're not wizards. Definitely not. You seem to be doing everything else, but there's no magic involved. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So um, it's a goodbye from Erin. Say goodbye, Erin. Bye-bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll6s.com. And for goodness sake, strap yourself in and hold on to what Erin is going to be doing next because it's just going to get more and more exciting, I'm telling you. Um, check out the book, look out for the video series and the carpool board game karaoke that has to happen. Yes, yeah, so yes, has it will. To, so has to happen. And... Um, Look out for the museum or further information on the museum as it happens. But until the next time, goodbye.